0: Well, praise God. Do we have any worshipers in the house this morning? (laughs) Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, is it not? And for those of you that don't know, I am not Pastor Mark, although we do have similar haircuts. We go to the same barber. But I want you to know that I count it but a privilege to be able to share with you this morning from my heart. And it's a privilege to be able to come together of people of like precious faith. And I thank God for the opportunity, I count it, but an honor to be able to be a part of this ministry and this church and this people. Uh, And I just uh, am so, so grateful for God's goodness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we start this morning, shall we? Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus and thanking you again. You are indeed the author and perfecter of our faith. And Father, we thank you that uh, there is an anointing upon your word. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that uh, each and every heart, Uh, is attentive, and and Father God, that their ears are open to your word, and that Father God, everything that is said and done would only bring honor and glory to you, because it's all about you and nothing about us. And Father, we give you thanks and praise for all that you're doing in our midst, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Mark is probably somewhere heading up into the Caribbean Sea right now, so... uh, Tim and Mary are, uh, and the family are uh, enjoying a, a blessed time, a vacation this week. He will be back on Friday, so he will be here for the Christmas uh, services next weekend. But again, I said I have a privilege of being able to share with you today. Uh, I'm not going to give you some uh, about a Christmas story today. I'm giving you something about my life so that maybe you can understand what kind of makes me motivated. I'm a person who, who looks at names, numbers, places, phrases, and things from the Word of God that uh, it just inc- excites me. Uh, I want you to know that I was saved at the age of seven. And it was because of my grandmother. My parents at that time were not involved in church, but I had a grandmother. You out there that are grandmothers, don't give up on your grandkids. Don't give up on your kids because uh, she saw to it that she mentored me. She sent me away to a church camp at the age of seven. I was in Louisville, Ohio. I know exactly where I was at. I remember going forward in that service. I know exactly where I knelt in an altar, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I've gone back here and visited that exact spot. But I also want you to know that uh, it was a a little later that I had in my baptismal where I was giving my confession. Mine wasn't done in a nice baptistry, which we have here at the church in both both facilities. Mine was in the Ohio River. So, uh, But praise God, it doesn't matter where those things take place. God honors that. So I want to share with you today some of the things that just kind of excite me. So if we could pull up that first... uh, uh, passage of, or I mean that first slide that we have there, it's about the names. The names that we find in the Bible that is listed in Genesis chapter 5. And in those names, each one of them have a meaning and a purpose. I want you to take notice right there first of all, Methuselah, he's the eighth generation down from it. His name means his death shall bring. Well, if you go into Genesis chapter 5, you'll find out, first of all, that it says that Methuselah was the oldest man on the face of the earth. He lived to be 969 years of age. But also in Genesis, you'll find out that it will say that when Methuselah was 187 years old, he gave birth to his son Lamech. And when Lamech was 182, he gave birth to Noah. Count those together, that's 369 years. Well, we also find in Genesis chapter 7 that it says that... In (laughs) Genesis Genesis chapter 7, we find out that it says that when Noah was 600 years old, the flood took place on the face of the earth. So you count those 600 years and 369, that comes up to 969. Does God know what he's doing or what? And with that being said, Methuselah's name means his death shall bring. Well, when Methuselah died is when Noah's flood took place on the face of the earth. But that isn't all in the names. I want you to notice, it says that Adam, man, and we get all the way down to the 10th generation, it says Noah, rest. Here's what it says when you put them together. Man was appointed unto mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching, and his death shall bring the despairing rest. It is the plan of God in the names of the Bible. There is nothing in the Bible that is there by chance. There's nothing in the Bible that is there by accident. Everything was inspired by God so that we too could understand his character. Everything in there is so knitly woven together. There's no way man could have thought of this. This is a God thing. And this is what he's wanting to do in and through our lives in a great and mighty way. So what I would like to share with you today, I found something a couple weeks ago that just blessed my heart and I shared it with pastor. And so then I want to share that with you today. And it's what I'm entitling Abraham's journey. So if we could start there, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start and read the first five verses. So uh, if you could pull that one up for me. Genesis 12, 1 says, And now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, get away from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. First of all, I want you to know, in that first verse, there's a plan of God. Do you know there's a plan of God for your life too, and for mine? And he said, and I will show you. Well, at that time, uh, Abram was living in Haran. Haran was a, 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 a country in, that had so many idols, false idols, that, matter of fact, most Bible commentaries tell you there were probably more idols than there were people. And God is telling him, I've got a plan for your life. Do you know God's got a plan for your life too? He's got a plan for mine. But Abraham, Abram, at that time, had a choice to make. He could either be obedient to God or he could have rebelled. Verse 2. I, he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. God is telling Abram here that he was wanting to make a covenant with him. Do you know that God wants to make a covenant with you and a covenant with me? And he says in it, and I will make your name great. Verse 3. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse them who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God had a plan, God had a covenant, and now God is wanting to offer a blessing to mankind. So what did Abram do? Verse 4. So Abram departed. Well, that seems like obedience, right? Because he told him to get out and to go. As the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot, ooh, Lot went with him. I thought he told him to get away from all of his family. Partial obedience. I want you to know that sometimes when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can still be partially obedient. God is wanting us to be totally obedient to his will and plan for our life. Let me finish reading the rest of that verse. And it says, uh, can we go back up to 4? i going to mess you up. And Lot was with him, and Abram was 75 years old. Don't ever say you're too old to do things for the Lord. God's got something for each and every one of us to do until he comes and calls us to be with him in glory. And when he departed, he departed from Haran. Verse 5. Then Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all of their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Iran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. I want you to know, they knew now where to go from, and now where to go to. When we are obedient to walk before God, He will speak to us, and He will show us exactly what we're to be doing for the kingdom of God. Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. And Abram passed, passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moriah, and the Canaanites were there in the land. I want you to know that Shechem, that name means in a journey or an alliance. He was preparing Abraham for what he had for his life. But I, let's read verse 7. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give you this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Who had appeared to him. When he built that altar at that point in time, he had chosen the Lord as his God. Not all the false gods that were in Haran, but he said, You are the God. And there he made a decision and chose him as his God. I want you to notice he built an altar. Verse 8. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent at Bethel on the west of on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. Bethel means a house of God, but more importantly, here is where he chose God as his father. It's so important that we be obedient to all that God has called us to do and for our lives. Genesis thirteen. But notice, this is the second time that he had built an altar. The third time. Genesis 13, starting in verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, and after Lot had separated. Hmm, remember? Partial obedience. And there was some issues in between there. But now Lot had separated. And he tells Abram, lift up your eyes now. Look back to the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, westward. And all the land which you will see, I will give to you and to your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length, its width, for I will give it to you. And then Abram moved his tent, and he went and dwelt by the terabith trees of Myra, which are in Hebron, and he built an altar there. This is the third time that he had built an altar. Bethel means beloved of God. And I want you to know, here is where he chose to fulfill his calling on his life. Are you and I willing to let God fulfill the calling upon our life? For the body of Christ. I believe that we are. And I I believe. I know that's exactly what's being taught here. And I believe that's why there's so many that keep coming in. Because God's bringing them in to hear truth. Because it's the truth that sets man free. And God is wanting mankind to be free in every realm of their life. Spiritually, soulishly, physically, financially, and socially. It's up to us to allow God to move. So I want to encourage you today. Let God fulfill his life. And choose the calling that he wants for your life. Amen. Amen. I want to read a passage of scripture here from 2 Chronicles 3.1. 2 Chronicles 3.1. Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Keep that in mind. Mount Moriah where the Lord had appeared to his father David and at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Arnon the Jebusite. I want you to notice the land of Moriah, where it was located, Jerusalem. Let's now go to Genesis chapter 22. I'm I'm trying to lay the groundwork for where we're wanting to head here. Genesis 22. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Wait a minute. I thought that he had already produced an offspring, which was Ishmael. But here God says, take your only son, Isaac. Why did God say that? Because Isaac was God's plan. Ishmael was man's plan. Are we allowing to God to fulfill his plan through our lives or are we making plans for ourselves? We get to choose. So he tells him here, take your son your only son whom you love and go to the land of what? Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. One of the mountains which I shall tell you. Do we have that slide map back there? Can we show that now? Do you have that right now? Well There's a slide that goes with, but anyhow, the land of Moriah, it was made up of several small mountain ranges. Mount Moriah, Mount Zion, the Mount of Olives, and Mount Calvary, which is often referred to as Golgotha. And if the slide is up there, you'll see that it says the Mount of Olives. And where is it located? Jerusalem. I want to lay out for you that God was taking Abram and Isaac to the very same spot where Jesus was offered up as a sacrifice for you and for me. And I want you to uh, see here uh, that Mount Calvary was the tallest of these mountain range. Mount Calvary... In these small mountain ranges was about 20 miles journey away from Hebron. Remember the last place that Abraham offered up a, a sacrifice and an altar? He was about 20 miles away from Jerusalem. And God is telling him, I want to take you to the land of Moriah. Verse 4. Do we have that? Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. I want you to keep that in mind. He saw the place. Remember, I'm in names, numbers, and phrases. It says here, he saw the place afar off. Verse five. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go wander and worship. Worship? I thought they were going for the purpose of a sacrifice. Abraham said, we're going for the purpose of what? Worship. Do you know what goes on up here before we get into a message is so very vital important to bringing us into the presence of God? We have a praise team up here who unashamedly worship and praises God. But it's important our worship will enable us to get into the presence of God. But he said, stay here with the donkey while the lad and I go over and worship. And what? We will come back? He didn't say, I'll come back. He said, we will come back. Abraham knew that Isaac was coming back with him. All right? Verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. Well, first of all, he took two servants along with him. Why couldn't the servants have carried the wood sacrifice up the hill? Why did it have to be Isaac? Because we're going to see, and I believe we're going to see, this was a trip that the father and a son had to do together, Abraham and Isaac. Just like another father, our father God, and Jesus had to make that same trip. And God laid the wood, the cross on Jesus' shoulder as he carried it up the mountain for the sacrifice for you and for me. Next verse. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, Father, here I am, son. Then he said, look, we have the fire and the wood. Fire and wood, or a a knife and a fire were used in sacrifices. The knife to end it and the fire to, to, to burn it. And he said, but Lord, or he said to his father, he said, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Next verse. And Abraham said, my God will provide for himself the the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went out together. How prophetic was that? My God will provide himself. And he did. He provided the perfect Passover lamb without spot and without blemish. Next verse. Then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there, fourth time. And he placed the wood in order and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar and upon the wood. At this point in time, Abraham is over a hundred years old. Isaac was a teenager to in his early 20s. But I don't know about you, but if your father had come to you and said, Hey, today, you're going to be the sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I'd be an instant track star. <laughs> and go, Right? But Isaac didn't. Why did Isaac willingly lay himself down? We're going to find out how much of a type and shadow this was. Because Jesus willingly laid down his life for you. And for me, and he did it without any hesitation and reservation. And they came to the place where God had told him, right? And like I said, Abraham was over a hundred years old. Can we take the next verse? 10. And Abram stretched out his hand and he was about ready to took the knife to slay his son verse 11. But the angel of the Lord, a lot of us look at that, that's nice it was an angel. You look that up in the Hebrew, you'll find out where it says angel of the Lord. It says Yahweh. It was God himself appeared. And he said from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. This is the first of ten times we find in the scripture where there's a double reference by name. The last one is in Acts Chapter 9, when he says, Saul, Saul, why thou persecutest me? But this is the first time in scripture, and it has a very deep meaning. Uh, Next verse. And he said, don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. That word there, uh, fear God, in the Hebrew means I now know you value God, and it's your saving faith. Because he was willing to do it, he valued God, and that was his saving faith. And he said, for now I know that you fear God. You'll not withhold your one and only son. And you know what? Jesus then was able to say, I'm not going to hold mine either. I'm going to give him freely. Verse 13 And Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and there beheld him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. A lot of times we would read that and just want to skip over it and think, okay, so it was caught in the thorns. What you may not know is a ram, when it is caught in thickets, it will thrash around. It will just literally bludgeon itself literally to death to be free. Unless it's caught by its horns. If it's caught by its horns, it will not move. God knew exactly what he was doing. Why is that important? We know in 1 Peter 1.19, it tells us that Jesus, because of his shed blood, that he would be the perfect Passover lamb without spot and without blemish. And this lamb was not going to be anything different. It was caught by its horns, so it wasn't bloodied. It was a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14, And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, a particular mountain, the Lord shall provide. Next. So we find here that all this was done because of being a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one thing, I I, I kind of skipped over one, but I'll go back and point it out, and I'm not sure if they can do that, but I'll tell you. In Genesis 17, the uh, the fifth verse, God came to Abraham after having those three encounters with him and he said, I'm now changing your name. It was Abram, oh, here it is. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. I want you to know, when God said this to Abraham, first of all, it says, I have made you. Past tense. If there's an English teacher in here, that's past tense. That's not something to the future. I have made you. And at this point in time, Abraham and Sarah had no offspring together. But I have made you. So what was he doing? He was getting them speaking in line with the plan for their life. Abraham's name means a father of many nations. So every time that Sarai would have taken that tent flap up and yelled out, hey, Abraham, time for dinner. Hey, Abraham, the father of many nations, come in and eat. So he had them speaking his plan for their life. Do you know this word of God has got many great and precious promises in here? And he's wanting you and I to agree with it by speaking what his word says about us. And when we do that, we'll get in line. You say, but that's not presently a reality in my life. Neither was that. When he changed his name to (laughs) Abraham, he had them beginning to speak God's plan for their life. John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 13. This is out of the Amplified. But when he had come, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes. He will guide you into all truth, the whole, full truth. For he will not speak on his own message or on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you things that are to come and that will happen in the future. That's a promise that John had given us. And to the New Testament church. Well, you know, the Bible, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing has changed. And if he would do it for the New Testament church, I believe, and I want to share, I just want to tell you my opinion. I believe he did the exact same thing for Abraham and Isaac back then. Now let's go back. This is why I want to go back to Genesis two four. I told you to keep that in mind. Remember that phrase? He saw the place. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. Here's what I saw a couple weeks ago and it just blessed me so immensely. In two o'clock in the morning, God said, I want you to look up that, that phrase, saw the place. I've learned now, by now that I know to the vo- hear the voice of God. And I said, Lord, and I got up and I looked that up. Strong's Concordance, 7,200 if you're taking notes. Here's what it says. To gaze upon, to have sight of others, to look on as in a vision, and to have experienced. So what was going on with Abraham and Isaac? God took them to a particular mountain and I believe that Abraham and Isaac also, that's why he willingly laid his life down, saw the plan for mankind and were willing and obedient to fulfill that. And they he experienced it, right? Hebrews chapter 11. I got a couple more and I'll close. Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight. It says, it was by faith that Abraham... Obeyed When God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance, he went without knowing where he was going. God called him out. And God said, go, and I'll tell you where you need to be. Do you know a lot of times God is calling us to things in life and ministry, and we don't even really know where we're going to be and what that entails I can testify to that truth. I would have never been able to envision this, even a year ago. God is so good and God is so faithful if we're willing to be obedient to follow his plan for our life because then he's wanting to make a covenant with us. And then he's wanting to bless us in a great and mighty way. This last passage of scripture. Hebrews 11, still there, but we're going to go to verses 27-27 through 20 we have that by faith Abraham when he was put to the test while being tested by his faith was still in progress had already brought Isaac for an offering he who had gladly received and welcomed God's promises was ready to sacrifice his only son of whom it was said through Isaac your descendants will be reckoned verse 19 For he reasoned that God was able to raise him up, even from among the dead. Indeed, the sense that Isaac was figuratively dead and potentially sacrificed. He did actually receive him back from the dead. In God's eyes, it was carried out. He saw his obedience. But here's the part that blessed me so much. Verse 20. With eyes of faith, Isaac... Why did Isaac willingly lay down his... With eyes of faith, looking far into the future. I'd never seen that before. Isaac was still a young man. He wasn't even married, let alone have children. Isaac, looking far into the future, invoked a blessing upon Jacob and Esau. God allowed him to see everything to their future. And that's why Abraham and Isaac were so willing to be obedient to God in a great and mighty way. God is wanting to do great and mighty things through all of our lives if we are just willing and obedient. Amen. Willing and obedient. One last thing that I want to share with you. In Sa- they don't have this one, but in 2 Samuel chapter 6, 3 verses 10, 11, and 12. David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back before Israel. And there was a situation that arose, and he ended up going to a man by the name of Obed-Edom. And he said, Obed, is it okay if we bring the Ark of the Covenant and put it in your home? I want you to notice right off of the get-go How many today, if the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords says, I would like to take up residence in the heart of your home, are you going to say, "Um, let me think about that? Are you going to say, could I have time to pray about it? Hopefully you would say, yes, I welcome the presence of God in my home. Now, if I were to go home and I'd say, Jody, you're never going to guess what's in the living room. But you're going to have to tell the kids, you can look, but don't touch. The Bible says the Shekinah glory of God hovered over top of the Ark of the Covenant. I wonder, it doesn't say this in the scripture, but you know, I, I, I look at these things, I wonder, did it ever get dark in the home? Did anybody ever walk by the Ark of the Covenant and fall under the power of God? We don't know those things, but one thing that we do know It was in his home for three entire months. And at the end of the three months, David comes to Obed-Edom and says, we're moving the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. I want you to know, Obed-Edom said, honey, the house is up for sale, we're moving. (laughs) The presence of God so changed his life, he was never going to allow that presence to ever leave him again. And it just didn't benefit him. We find out in Chronicles, it says that his children and his children's children were gatekeepers in Jerusalem. That presence of God so changed his life and changed the life of his family members. To his children and his children's children. I think of my grandmother. I'm a children's children and her faithfulness to the things of God not just affected her but affected my life and I want that to affect the lives of my children and my children's children but you're also going to find out that Obed-Edom's obedience not only changed his family for generations to come it changed everyone else around him I want my life to so change everyone around me how about you God is wanting us to be willing to and obedient to follow him in, in, in every way. So you may say, Dave, I'm here today. I don't believe I've ever even started my journey with the Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity, if you've not, to make that choice and come to God because he's wanting to have a relationship with you in a great and mighty way. You may say, Dave, I've started that journey. But somehow, I feel that just like Abraham, I've been partially obedient. And today, I want to sell out to God wholeheartedly and let him be the, not just Savior of my life, but Lord of my life. How about you? If that is you, and if you would let, come forward as they're ready to sing, I know there'll be people here that would will be willing to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. Because God is wanting each and every one of us to fulfill the calling upon our life. Amen.